And welcome, Hoosier fans, to this week's edition of Assembly Call Radio, where each week we discuss the most urgent topics in the never-dull world of Indiana basketball. This is our 131st edition of Assembly Call Radio, and it is our 523rd episode overall of the Assembly Call, recorded on the evening of Thursday, July 25th, 2019. I'm your host, Jared Morris. And let's begin this edition of the Assembly Call how we begin every edition of the Assembly Call, and that is with our Hoosier Proud Banner Moment. And Indiana is the national champion. When it comes down, Indiana will be champion. Smart takes the shot. This week's banner moment occurred when the Indiana basketball Twitter account tweeted out a series of photos and videos showing the team enjoying a fun day out on the lake. Joey Bronk is shown gliding through the air with a GoPro. Deron Davis lounges on a paddleboard. And Trace Jackson Davis does an impressive but terrifying, at least for fans and his family probably, uh, backflip off the side of the boat. It's always nice to see the players hanging out together and building camaraderie, and I'm sure they enjoyed a fun day of recreation after a summer of sweating through off-season workouts. Granted, it doesn't really mean anything in terms of future wins and losses. Teams across the country are posting images and videos of similar team-building activities. Some will have great chemistry and win a lot of games. Others won't. So there's no reason to think that one trip out on a boat is going to have any type of long-lasting impact for this group of Hoosiers that every other team probably won't have as well. But on the bright side, everyone was pictured, no one appeared to have any obvious injuries, and Trace completed his backflip without incident. So on another slow week of IU basketball news, in what has to be one of the most uneventful off-seasons in recent memory, this will have to do for a banner moment. All right, now let me introduce my esteemed co-hosts for this week's show. To my left, he is a longtime high school basketball coach in the state of Indiana, the founder of the Delphi Bracketology Club, and he is only partially recovered from seeing the Twitter video of Trace Jackson Davis doing his backflip. He is the coach, Brian Tonsoni. He remembers the days when a movie cost a dollar. Heaven help you if you ever decide to pop your collar. Play hard, but remember, fake hustle is a crime. He's the coach and it's Tonsoni time. Coach, what's on your mind? Man, I can listen to that song all night long. That is that is fantastic. You know, um, I appreciate everyone uh, on Twitter today worrying about me when the um, videos came out, and I really appreciate uh, those people being concerned about my well-being. And uh, you know, my I, I'm just excited for some news. Keep checking Twitter over and over for an assistant coach announcement, a schedule announcement. We did get some Anthony Leal information today that. He's down to two. That's a good thing. And hopefully he'll end up picking uh, the Hoosiers. So uh, excited about all of that. And, and to be honest with you, uh, it's good that the kids uh, can jump high. It'll help them with their jump shots, strong legs, help them with their jump shots. So that's the way I'm trying to turn that to a positive. Really excited about having IU Artifacts on. Just an outstanding person as well as a, a great IU fan. And so I'm looking forward to tonight's show. Absolutely. And to my right. Joining us as he does every offseason is the man behind one of the most beloved IU Sports Twitter accounts, IU Artifacts. It's the greatest <laughs> gold mine on the internet. Really is. He's an IU Sports memorabilia super collector, one of the most loyal and knowledgeable IU Sports fans you'll find anywhere. And it is my sincere hope that one day 
He comes across my personal IU Sports memorabilia holy grail, the Cheney Needs One sign from 1993. He is Chris Williams, a.k.a. IU Artifacts. Chris, what is on your mind when it comes to IU Sports this week? Well, the Leo announcement, uh, you know, take that with a grain of salt. We were talking about earlier, kind of a polarizing picks there for different reasons, obviously. So that's something to watch. But mine is actually unrelated to basketball. Uh, I had the chance earlier this week to go tour the, the new IU golf course, the foul course. Um, that's replacing the course that was there since the late fifties and was much in a much needed, uh, change, uh, in terms of it's a completely different layout. Um, one of my high school teammates is the uh, superintendent there. So I got a chance to drive around with him. Uh, it's going to be impressive for the, the men's and women's golf programs. It's going to be a game changer, uh, a much needed facelift and, uh, it's probably going to be a course that you're going to see host some some tournaments, maybe on the amateur level or potentially at the professional level at some point. So that's always exciting, and it's going to be a good thing for the university as a whole. So, where's the new course? It's on the existing course. It's uh, right oh, there really? off the bypass. Yeah, they just they leveled. It's been about a two and a half year process now, still going. Oh, geez. Uh, yeah, a lot of work still to, still to go, but it's uh, it's going to be it's going to be really nice. Wow. Very cool. Very cool. All right. Well, here's what we are going to talk about this week. As we usually do, we'll run through a few Hoosier headlines, including, as you guys mentioned, Anthony Leal whittling his list down to two. Uh, Then we're turning the show over to Chris, and he's going to talk us through some of the most interesting items from his IU memorabilia collection. New stuff. If you've watched these in in past seasons, there'll be some new stuff that you'll see. And then finally, we will answer a bunch of your questions uh, in our final segment. All of that coming this week on Assembly Call Radio. Before we get to all that, a quick word from this week's sponsor, SeatGeek. Do you ever feel like ticketing websites make getting to the event difficult on purpose? It's as if they're so big, they feel like they can get away with not caring about the customer experience. But not SeatGeek. SeatGeek cares desperately about the satisfaction of their customers, which is why a quick glance at the App Store shows over 50,000 five-star reviews. Why? Because SeatGeek delivers a better process for buying tickets. SeatGeek pulls together millions of tickets from all over the web, and then they rate each deal on a scale of 1 to 10. And the user interface communicates it all clearly by displaying tickets on an interactive seat map so you can see right where they are and by using a color-coded system for value. Green dots mean good deals. Red dots are overpriced. Oh, and every purchase is fully guaranteed so you can shop for tickets with confidence. I have the SeatGeek app on my phone. It's by far the fastest and easiest way to find tickets. When my wife and I want concert tickets or tickets to other sporting events here in Dallas, it is always the first place that we look. Get a brother, get some coupons. Of course. Best of all, SeatGeek will even give you $10 off your first SeatGeek purchase. All you need to do is use our promo code. So download the SeatGeek app today and use the promo code ASSEMBLY for $10 off your first purchase. That's promo code ASSEMBLY for $10 off your first purchase. All right, gents, let's talk some Hoosier headlines. Uh, Some of these we've alluded to. There's still no assistant coach. And really, I don't think any of us have any like news or rumors that, you know, we're able to share that are really worth sharing at this point. So nothing, you know, really on that front. There was a new offer out uh, to a young man named Jordan Geronimo, who I guess is a high riser, you know, just in terms of kind of this summer, his play has really, uh, you know, gotten some people's attention. But, you know, as we know, offers are fine, but we really start getting serious about actually talking about a guy on this show when he takes a visit. Uh, So nothing, you know, much to say there. Devontae Green did tweet at one point, broke four records today. That's got to be a new record. Uh, So that was an interesting meta tweet there. I don't know what the records are. I'm just going to pretend that they were all shooting records and that Devontae is just out there busting out three-point records with the longer three-point line. It'll make the offseason a little bit bit more (laughs) pleasant for me. And then, of course... 
the highlight of the offseason so far for Coach. And I don't want to see about vertical leaps anymore. The vertical jump videos, uh, which did at least provide one piece of news, which is that Al Durham, Devontae Green, Justin Smith, Trace Jackson Davis, Rob Finnessy, and new walk-on Nate Childress, who we don't talk about a lot, but he's a preferred walk-on, they all registered vertical jumps of over 40 inches. So that's impressive. You know, Coach would rather see him doing drills, but at least we you know got to see the, the continued growth there. And then, of course, Anthony Leal, he's down to Stanford and IU. So those are the main headlines. Did I miss any? Was there anything else interesting that happened this week for IU hoops? I think that was, I think that was about it. Chris, of those stories, which one kind of jumps out to you as being worth talking about? I think there's a certain level of, you know, still maybe some unsettledness among IU fans about why the assistant coach position hasn't been filled. I, I, obviously, from a fan perspective, you know, we may be trembling and some people are probably like, no, it's no big deal. But I think for Archie, he knows what he's doing. He's not rushing the, he's trusting the process. And, you know, we could go back and forth about whether he's going to look for an IU guy or whether he's going to just look for the best available coach that's going to fit what he wants to do. I think it's, uh, it's a toss up, but I think that there's still plenty of time in the off season to kind of, to, to get that figured out. And I, like I said, I'll trust his judgment on who he is. And I just hope he comes in and will mesh with the rest of the coaching staff. Let's talk real quick about Anthony Leal coach. He announced that he's down to two Indiana and Stanford. And look, when it's a kid in your backyard, you know, who, you know, I guess there's been kind of the assumption or there was the assumption that if Indiana just offered, he would come. Well, that obviously isn't true. And he's continued to play well and has earned himself a lot of offers and attention, which good for him. You know, but when you have a guy like that, you don't necessarily think him whittling it down to two is newsworthy. It's like, look, are we going to get him or not? <laughs> you know, but I think it is. I think it's a good sign for Indiana that when he went down to two, it was Indiana and Stanford, because in a lot of ways, that's an apples and oranges comparison. And it means to me that if he does end up choosing Stanford, which would be, look, a great choice for any young man's future that he's looking for something, you know, more than what Indiana is going to provide. Maybe he wants to go away from home. Maybe he wants that next level education. Maybe he wants the weather. Like those are things Indiana can't give him. If it was Ohio State and Indiana, now it's more of an apples to apples comparison. And it's like, all right, well, you know, why, you know, you would feel like we would have had the tiebreaker there because we're Indiana. So I guess seeing those final two, it made me feel a little bit better about that recruitment for that sense. And I hope he picks Indiana, but at the end of the day, he's worked hard to earn himself two really good choices and he can't go wrong with either one of them. Yeah. I've really grown on Anthony Leo. At, at first I thought his shot was a little slow and I know that he was a maker and that was what's important to, to Indiana is to get makers. But I think his shot looks a lot quicker. His release looks a lot quicker. And, and I think that, you know, that's a guy that we want in the Indiana program. And I, I, I beat this uh, way, drum way too hard about getting Indiana guys and guys that want to come to play for Indiana. And I, I think Leo would fit that. And I think Kent Sterling in our community chat had the greatest post about the two choices, that it's hard to turn down a Stanford education. And you know there's gonna the ball's gonna stop bouncing for everyone at some point, and your education is gonna make a big difference. And so you cannot fault the young man if he does choose to go to Stanford. You applaud him for having the ability to get in there academically, and you root like heck for him at Stanford, wishing that he would have come to Indiana. This is not a oh my gosh, the sky is falling if he does not. There's a lot of players in that realm of his type of player. But you like a kid from Bloomington to come to IU 
who wants to play with IU. And if he and Trey Galloway both end up at IU, they have that cohesion. That is something, if we look at the models that win in the Big Ten overall, the Purdue's, the Wisconsin, some of those, they get a lot of guys that want to play in that system and they mesh and they play well and you sprinkle it then with your super uber athletes. We're close to doing that. And, and give me Cross, Leo, Galloway, and then pick your fourth one and maybe even a fifth if one opens up. That's a heck of a class getting back to where it's Indiana guys who are going to get uh, some, you know, floor burns and, and, and really feel bad if Indiana doesn't uh, win. And I, I just long for those days where that's 13 players instead of 10, 11, 8, 9 guys on the Indiana. So I'm excited that he's down to two, and I think that's a good thing for Indiana basketball. You know, it does bear mentioning the Stanford education is great, but it's not like he's choosing between Stanford and the University of Phoenix. Indiana offers a pretty darn good education, too. I wonder, what is what do you think is the bigger difference? The difference between a Stanford education and an IU education or the basketball experience of playing at Stanford or playing at Indiana? Mm. I don't think Stanford has a whole lot yeah, of support. I would, I would say it's probably the basketball. <laughs> the Yeah. yeah. Uh, any Chris, any other thoughts on Leal? Obviously, you're there in Bloomington. I don't know if you've gotten a chance to see him play live at all. You know, I haven't. Um, you know, I haven't really had a chance to go to a lot of high school games. And the one I wanted to go to when Langford came to town was the same night as the uh, senior night for Ohio State a couple seasons ago. So oh, yeah. um, I think it would be a good fit for him. I mean, to, to come here, I think it's a natural fit for a Bloomington kid. But again, you know, it from a basketball perspective, it's a no brainer, but as coach said, you know, eventually your career is going to be over. You got to think about life after basketball. And it could be that that's what appeals to him with Stanford. It could be the weather. There's a lot of things I have. I like his athleticism. I like his size. I agree with coach. I think the shot's going to have to have some work done on it, but I think that's the case with a lot of kids coming out of high school. The shot's just not going to be as silky smooth as like a Calvert Cheney as we like to see, but, um, (laughs) You know, give I, us another I, one of those, baby. Yeah, no kidding. <laughs> but like, you know, he he and Galloway go way back, and I think that cohesion uh, is a big thing. And I think with Galloway, I think you know he, things look pretty good for him coming to IU, at least from most circles that you read about and you hear about. But there's a lot of there's a long way away, and I don't think either one of them are in any rush to make a decision. But I think in the end, um, I'd love to see both of them, and I'd like to see Matt Cross as well, and. Christian Lander and, and, you know, keep bringing them in. And, and I, I like what Archie's doing aggressively with these guys and they're showing up. Uh, the coaches are there and they're visible. So that's all you can ask for. Yep. All righty. Well, coming up here on the assembly call, it is time to turn the show over to Chris. As we do once every off season, he has picked out a few select items from his vast collection to show us and tell us the story of it'll be fun. It's always a treat. Stick with us here on the assembly call. What's going on? It's Christian Wofford. What's the only thing better than an epic buzzer beater? Celebrating it with friends afterwards. Join my guys, Jared, Andy, Ryan, and Coach on the Assembly Call after every IU game. Go Hoosiers. Thank you, Christian. Welcome back to the Assembly Call. You can find all of our content at our website, assemblycall.com. And if you ever want to participate in the live chats during our unedited live broadcasts or watch those replays, then check out our YouTube channel, youtube.com slash assemblycall. And if you are listening to the podcast or if you are listening to this on the radio, you are definitely going to want to try to 
catch up with the YouTube version of this episode because there's a visual component to this. There isn't always on this show, but there certainly is this week uh, because I'm here, Jared Morris, along with the coach Brian Tonsoni and our special guest, Chris Williams, a.k.a. IU Artifacts, who is here to take us through some of the more interesting items in his collection. We do it every offseason, always look forward to it, and so we are going to do that this week. So, Chris, I know you have some stuff prepared, and we are all uh, excited to see it. Sure. Thanks for having me as always, guys. So I always look forward to it. So I'm um, going to kind of get us started with a bang here. Hold this up and uh, you can see right there. I front recognize that name. Yeah. So Walt Bellamy is right there on the sweet spot. Um, this is, and if you panel down there, you can see Branch McCracken right there. This is a 1959-60 team signed basketball. Um, and it's a game basketball. So this would have been one that they used in a game. Uh, and oftentimes, and I've, I've talked about this in prior episodes, the significance of this team, what they represented in terms of um, uh, success and what could have been. It's been talked about many times. The team was 20 and four overall. Uh, they lost their four games by 11 points total, uh, which is not that many as, at all. And, and they're, they kind of closed the season with a thrashing of the eventual NCAA championship team, Ohio State, by 16 points. Uh, but unfortunately, as we know back then, you had to win your conference championship to go to the NCAA tournament. So, you know, everybody's on here. And the reason why that's significant is I'm going to kind of panel to this guy at the top there. It says Herbie Lee. Herbie Lee was actually kicked out of school the morning of the Ohio State game for grades. He flunked out. And he was a double-digit scorer, uh, so a big loss. And having him on this is significant because I've seen a couple other signed pieces from this team, and he's not on there. So, so if, you're, if you're a collector of game basketballs, like team-signed basketballs, you want to have everybody on there. And so to have him on there is a pretty significant uh, you know, f- accomplishment going along with something that is this old and 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 again if you're if you have an if you're not watching it live you should definitely look at it because the fact that the ball is this old and you can see the signatures as well is it's a pretty significant they're uh, so clear they are uh and this was actually what they would have used was they had a felt tip fountain pen so this is pre-sharpie sharpies came out in the late 60s but they had a fountain pen that had a bottle on the end of it and it fed to a felt tip that you could use uh, for the first time, you know, in the mid fifties and beyond, this is kind of when that became a reality to get basketball signed and have the signatures actually kind of hold true. So, um, this was something I just recently acquired and it's easily now, uh, in the top five of what I have just because of, uh, the, you know, you, you never thought you'd come across something like this. It's, it's, it's a pretty significant, uh, piece. So. Chris, and may- couple- maybe the most underrated of the missing banners teams. I would say. Yeah, it's a team you don't often hear about. You hear about 7980 with what could have happened with Woodson. You hear about 7475, and we'll talk about that in a little bit. But this team is very much a could have, would have, definitely should have. And and if you talk to people, you know, we've talked about Bill Murphy. Uh, who's a, <laughs> he comes he was, alive when you talk yeah. about this team, man. <laughs> yeah, and I, I actually sent him pictures of this, and I never heard back from him. I don't know if he's still recovering from it. Or, he fainted. Or <laughs> yeah, but we've talked about, you know, this is a guy who was there and watched those guys. 
they were so talented. You had, you know, Bellamy obviously is your star, but you have Frank Radovich, you have Leroy Johnson, you have Bob Wilkinson, you have Gary Long. Uh, it was a really good team, and it was one that that had really blossomed from the previous season where they were kind of up and down, up and down, game to game. Uh, you never knew what was going to happen. They really kind of came into their own. Um, and just, you know, early in, this, in the year, got had those two losses, and then, and then in conference play, two losses as well. They just kind of just, you know, that Ohio State team was so good. But many people say that this is, this is a team that definitely could have beat them. What would you say, Coach? Bob Wilkerson is from my hometown, LaPorte. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and so th- that was the name I saw on the ball there. And then Gary Long stopped by the uh, assembly call tailgate last year, and right. we were able to get our picture taken. And then I know Glenn and Charlie, I think if, um, I know Charlie, I think, was involved with Indiana basketball, high school basketball. I may be confused uh, that with, with, with someone else. But there's a lot of members on that team on this basketball that you're, you're displaying on the YouTube video. Uh, that, that's a lot of good guys there. And um, – so that's a good piece right there. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's uh, it, it, and again, you of all this old, you just don't expect the signatures to ever last the way they have. So that's something that um, I, I do. You do anything to preserve them? I mean, they're in cases, and I I shouldn't be handling it with just oils, but I'm not going to be that pretentious about it. But uh, yeah, I have them in cases. Usually, the the more significant basketballs, I'll put in a glass, like a, an acrylic cube. So just that it's protected. It's not really UV protected enough is where it should be, but it's going to be uh, at least the dust and, you know, you're not touching it constantly with your fingers. But, yeah, you know, the more significant basketballs I have, I, I try to definitely keep them out of sunlight and and uh, protect them in something that, that will keep the signatures true. So definitely. Awesome. Yeah. Um, Chad, our, our – uh, Chat mob Chad. Chat mob Chad. He asked me uh, about something related to AJ Guyton, and I unfortunately don't have anything wow related with AJ Guyton, but I do want to bring in a ticket stub, and I want to see if you all can kind of reminisce about this significance. Um, this is February uh, 1998 against Illinois. So this would have been February 24th, 1998 against Illinois. And I want to give you a second if you can kind of recall what you may remember about that game. This is the 97-98 team, so there's a lot of uh, – this is kind of like a very weird era of IU basketball. But I'll throw out some names. Wait a minute. Was that yes. the Valentine game? What, what do you mean the Valentine game? The uh, – where he – the infamous – like he tossed Knight and then like walked by him. I think he gave Knight three technical fouls. Yes. So this would have <laughs> been – so yeah, let's let's kind of recall a little bit about – uh, that game. Um, was it Ted Valentine? Yes. Yes. So I've heard various stories and there was an article I remember reading years back by Seth Davis, who was at from SI who talked about the ongoing rival between Valentine and Knight going back to the 92 Duke game, where if we remember, he gave uh, a val- and I'm not even talking about toward the end of the game with all the foul issues, but he gave Knight a technical in that game that Knight felt was very undeserving. And so there was, there's always been rumors that anytime Valentine came to Bloomington, there was kind of some built up uh, resentment by Knight toward Valentine. And in this game, uh, Knight was on his case the whole game. I was there. I remember it to some extent. I remember the booing and I remember Valentine and Knight kind of jawing each other. 
But Knight got a technical foul at the end of the first half, which a lot of people may not remember. They remember the incident toward the end, which I'll talk about. But a lot of people don't remember what happened at the end of the first half. But as you were talking about, actually at the end of the first half, Knight walked past him briskly to go the wrong direction of the long way around (laughs) at Assembly Hall. And then in the second half, if you remember that game like I do, like it was yesterday, Luke Recker is going to the basket. Sergio McLean goes up to and knocks him down. It wasn't an intentional foul, even though everybody in the place wanted that. But Knight thought that it should have been called a technical foul because McLean was hanging on the rim. And so he was on Valentine's case before that, not realizing yet that Recker was down and and Rink and, and all the coaches go over there. And so those two are jawing at each other. And then Knight goes on the floor, which he's allowed to by the rules, to look at it, to check out his injured player. And Valentine gives him a technical from going on the floor. And then hell breaks loose. They go back and forth. Ed Hightower was the other ref. He was getting in, trying to get in the middle of it. There's, you know, supposedly uh, Hightower tried to get Valentine to take back or rescind the technical, which he did not do. Good luck they with kept that. Going back, yeah, kept going back and forth. And then Hightower, or excuse me, Valentine kicks him out. And I remember, you know, Knight kind of took his time for a moment. And then just like, again, Valentine was on the other end of the floor. He goes right by him and briskly walks right by him. May have kind of, you know, run into him just ever so slightly, but the place was nuts. You know, everybody talks about how loud it was when Marco Killingsworth had the dunk against Duke. To me, this was one of those moments where I just remember the place was going nuts. Now, unfortunately, we lost the game, and this was toward the end of the season, going into, I think, what was the first Big Ten tournament. But uh, that's one of those moments that I can remember from that early Guyton era, but with, with Wrecker still there, William Gladness was still there. But just such a weird game and one of those where if you're a true IU fan, you, you continue that resentment for Valentine uh, because of that and because of the Duke game. Yeah. Oh my goodness. Yeah. Now, you know, Knight did some crazy things that we kind of laughed off in the moment that in hindsight I shudder at and I don't find so entertaining or endearing anymore. Not that one. I still love that one. <laughs> and he was completely in the right to do what he yeah. did. There was nothing. And Valentine, you know, uh, he was, uh, who knows what was going through his head. I'm sure he regretted it, but I bet he didn't think he, he could look himself in the eye if he rescinded it. So. I mean, it's two men who would be completely blinded by ego and pride oh, yeah. that just had a moment of being blinded by it. And Valentine in that moment happened to be more in the wrong. So, I mean, Definitely. you know, it's what happens when you mix those two together. Definitely. Definitely. All right, we're going to move along to Coach uh, coach, did yeah. you ever have a moment like that when you were coaching? Ever uh, ever brushed by an official? Um oh, I got I, I, Yeah, I had a my best episode ever is <laughs> I went after another coach and got a technical and the official was actually holding me back from charging the other coach. Um there had been a little bit of a history um between the programs and accusations of dirty play and he was accusing one of my guys of of screening illegally. And we were down uh, 19 points in the in the second quarter of a tournament game, and I had enough. So I went after him, and the official said, Brian, stop, stop. I said, no, you're going to have to tee me up if you want me to stop because I'm going to go, and then I can't say what I said because I'm going to get this guy. And he literally grabbed me by the pants, pulled me back, teed me up. Our team r- rallied, and we won the uh, White County Tourney uh, Championship game from down 19. Uh, but officials um, – never stormed across the court. 
I, I've, I think I've got five technicals in my 10 year career and only deserved about one or two of them. Well, based on that story, maybe you should have gotten more. It seemed to work out all right. It, it, it Is there worked, video of that, by the way? There's got to be video somewhere. I, I don't know, but I'm not necessarily. I enjoy telling that story now. And we're good. The coach and I now of the opponent are we've we've mended fences and we're we're now you know put all that <laughs> to bed. But <laughs> I didn't go after an official. I did go after another another high school coach, and I uh, I was quite angry. Coach, if you're if you're if you're going to be on the bench again this year, I got to come up and watch you in your element. I got, I got, I'm going to have to do it. <laughs> I got to sit and be quiet now. I'm an assistant, but That's you're always true, welcome. We'll, we'll, we'll get you in. That would be awesome. We'll leave tickets. That'd be awesome. All right, all right. So um, we're going to move to probably the greatest era in IU basketball, uh, the mid '70s, and we're going to focus on. Um, we have a road jersey worn by Steve Green during the '74-'75 season, which there's, there's only, there's never enough in terms of what you can say about the season, about Steve Green, about that whole, that whole era. So this is a, a red Rawlings, uh, 34. He actually wore this for two seasons, uh, 73, 74 and 74, 75. But if you focus on the 74, 75 season, um, you know, he was the captain of the team. He led the team in scoring, um, uh, and the, the thing that a lot of people don't remember about Steve Green is that he was Knight's first recruit. Um, I actually had an interesting conversation with somebody the other day that we kept talking about Steve Downing, Steve Downing. I said, well, wait a minute. Downing was a throwback to Lou Watson. And Downing stayed when McGinnis decided to go pro. The two of them came in at the same time. McGinnis decided to stay and play under Knight. And, um, but, uh, you know, Steve Green went to Silver Creek High School. He's from Sellersburg. And he came in um, and really was nice guy, especially after Downing left in 73. Um, but if you focus and you think about what could have been, and this is probably the biggest, and I know there's some people, you know, especially the old school guys that may, you know, they talk about, oh, you know, there's only so many things you can say about coulda, woulda, shoulda with seasons. But with 74, 75, you're talking about the most dominant team in IU history. I mean, everybody talks about 76, but you have to add in veterans like John Laskowski and you have to add in Steve Green. The, I mean, the team, they won their games in the conference by an average of 22 points. That's unprecedented. It's never going to happen again. And it kind of started this run of, of 36 straight conference victories. And my dad was lucky enough to be at IU from 72 to 76. And I, you know, and you talk about the four best years to be at IU for, you know, for, for basketball, it doesn't get any better than that because you have a final four in 73, you have a shared big 10 title in 74, you have a big 10 title and unfortunately falling short in 75. And then you have 76. But um, I think a lot of times Steve green is not given the, the credit that he deserves. He's kind of forgotten. And I think Laskowski in the same way, because those guys didn't get that championship that they thought they should have had. And and all the guys, you know, Buckner and and Wilkerson and and Cruz and Abernathy and, and May and all those guys, they got that championship and they hit that that pedestal that they wanted to. But I, I you know, I Green is one that I, I think is when you look at the list of players, he's always underrated. He's always never spoken enough because he was first team All American his his senior year, and I think that's something that is not a uh, um you know, you know not enough focus on he's on the all underrated IE team for sure yeah coach 
Yeah. Uh, if you're watching on YouTube, Chris, could you hold that up again? This is a road Jersey with the, the crimson. Do you have a favorite, uh, type of Jersey and you're collecting Indiana hasn't changed very much, but I know that you've talked about different uniforms in the past. Do you have road home or particular era that you prefer to collect? Uh, the interesting thing is that there is, you know, the, the plainness of the Jersey and the style has changed slightly. Um, when you get into the fifties and early sixties, they have the lettering on here is almost, they call it like a chiffon. It's almost like a letter jacket lettering where it's kind of raised up. That's unique. But again, it's the simplicity of what Indiana is. There's no fancy logos or anything like that. Uh, the sixties introduced a black trim around jerseys, which came with Lou Watson. And that one's it's unique, but it's also odd. My all time favorite Jersey was worn for two seasons. And I've, uh, I've talked about it numerous times. I've posted about it numerous times on Twitter. You can go find a picture of it. But it's Steve, I have Steve Downing's jersey from 70 to 72. And it's like a dark maroon, which I know doesn't really fit with the, with the crimson. But it's a dark maroon with, and white. And it's as plain as you can possibly get. But to me, and I posed this a few months ago on Twitter as a poll, there was going to be one jersey that IU ever did a throwback of. That would be it. And it's not even a question. I always go back to that one and that design because even the road design, which is like this true, it's like almost like a, like a blood crimson. It's like a hybrid of maroon. It's so dark. It's not what you would think of with IU, but it's so unique. And to me, it's so cool. That would definitely be my, my favorite era. Um, to, to, in terms of jerseys, definitely coach. Well, we, we've never exactly been consistent with our color scheme. No, we so. haven't. And, and you know, it's, it's interesting, you know, Knight wore that jersey for one season, and then in came the the Trident uh, logo, and in came the red and white, and that dominated until the the change in uh, the end of two thousand two when they spent all the money to raise the logo and made a unified color. Because if you think about the late nineties, early two thousands, everybody was doing everything. You had all that crazy stuff with the oval and the football uh, mm. team, which I won't I won't speak any more of that, but. Uh, and we know that Knight, as a traditionalist, was not going to go for that. And there's no, you know, but to to for the most part, you were expecting the same consistency when Knight was here when it came to jerseys and uniforms. That was that was not going to change, especially with the names on the back. That was not going to happen. No. So, um. Okay, so this is going to be a little bit more, uh, a little farther back, but I love the story that goes. We've along probably with it. we've probably got time for like maybe two more. Yep. And then we'll yep. we'll do the rest at the break, but Perfect. just so you know what we're on time. Okay, so we have a 90, 19, 19, excuse me, 1940, 1941 schedule. No, it's not wow. coming in great there. Uh, but the cool thing about this is that um, McCracken decided to take a West Coast trip that season. And they played, um, reading the schedule down here, they go out there before Christmas. They play at Stanford. They play at California and Berkeley. They play at UC or USC and, and LA. And they, then they play UCLA. And later that season, there was an article written in this magazine called Look Magazine. There's Churchill on the front. Wow. And the editor of the magazine was a man named Harlan Logan. And Harlan Logan was an IU grad. He played basketball here in the 20s. He was, um, he, I think he was a letter in 1924, 1925. Um, so he would have been there r- r- the very beginning of Everett Dean's career. But he did this, um, he did this spread on the team and they're called the point a minute men. 
And the interesting about thing about the point of Minutemen is because this kind of embodies the Hurry and Hoosiers. Uh, but the thing I love about this article is right there. This is Andy Zimmer of IU guarding Jackie Robinson of UCLA. Wow. And That's cool. the only reason I knew this has existed is I was looking at an auction catalog online and I found this photo for sale, the original photo. And I was like, oh my gosh, that's Indiana. And that's UCLA with Jackie Robinson. And so I found out it was in Look Magazine. And then I frantically started looking for this magazine because I wanted to find this photo because it's just, it's cool. I mean, the article is about Indiana. It's about that, the, the team. And, you know, this is the year after they won the title, but it's Jackie Robinson. And, and, and so my plan eventually is to get another copy of this, cut this out and frame it with some other stuff I have from the season, because you just bring in so many cool storylines. It's such a good that conversation. Is awesome. It is, it is. Um, and, and you know, I'll post, I'll post information about the date of this magazine. If anybody's curious and wanted to find it, because it took me a while to find it. Uh, but it's, it's just too many cool storylines. And I think obviously because the, editor of the magazine was a IU grad. Um, that's a p- big reason why they were in there, but still such a cool story. So. What a unique piece, man. I, I think th- yeah. those are some of my favorite pieces that you do. Like the jerseys are great, like kind of the standard stuff, but sure. those just sure. almost out of left field pieces that you would never expect are so interesting. Right. We got time for one more. Uh, me? yeah, yeah. Okay. I'll, I'll, I'll bring in, uh, let's bring in a bowl here. Silver plated bowl, you know, nothing specific, but, and this is going to be hard because of the reflection. So I'm going to have to read it to you. There's this what I think it is. I think it is. <laughs> it says Indiana university basketball, 1989, 90 most valuable player, Calvert chain. And so you're wondering why doesn't Calvert have this? And that's a great question. And I'll get to that in a moment. Uh, this was, I got this from a lady online who found it at a Goodwill store in Columbus, Indiana. How I got there, no idea. But she said she paid a dollar for it. And that's what I about fainted. But when she got it, it had tarnished so bad, you could barely read the inscription. So I'm guessing the person who processed this didn't even look at it and just put it out there for a dollar. And so I basically said, look, I have to have this for numerous reasons. What do you need for it? And I was able to get it. But I will tell you that I have reached out through a friend of mine who is a former manager to Calbert, because if he wants this, I want to get it back to him because I don't feel comfortable having it if he's been looking for it. So that's been in the process and we're, I'm still waiting to hear back from it, but um, it's such a cool piece, but I wouldn't feel right owning it if he has been looking for it. But I still have so many questions about where has it been all this time? Why doesn't he have it? And how did it end up in a Goodwill store 30 minutes east of, of, uh, of Bloomington. So the, you know, this is the, the magnificent seven season coming in as a freshman. He shared this award with, with Eric Anderson. So he, each of them got one of these. Um, but you know, if, if you, if those of you not familiar with 8990, if you want to hear Knight's tirade about, uh, the eight and 10 record losing to Purdue, that's what he's talking about. That was the season. Yeah. And, and, and Knight came in as the mo- one of the most unheralded in this group and shined, uh, very bright. So. Cheney came in. Cheney came in. Yes, thank you. Yeah. So, yes. What a great. I love that piece for obvious reasons. And and again, I have it displayed, but I 
like I'm hoping that I hear something either way because I definitely want to get it back to him if he wants it because that's where it should be. Yeah. Okay, so we're going to take a break. We have to take a break. We'll come back and we may do one or two more and then we'll answer questions. But if you're listening, if you want to see more, Chris, I know you have a couple other pieces. So we'll do them you know, now live on YouTube and people can watch that. So if you watch the YouTube replay, uh, it will be there. But uh, for now, we've got to take a break. So coming up in our third segment, again, we'll do maybe another item or two. Then we're going to answer your questions, uh, including what our Holy Grail memorabilia pieces would be and whatever other ones come in. That's next. So stick with us on the assembly call. This is Tim Priller, and I never miss an episode of The Assembly Call. Thank you, Tim. Welcome back to The Assembly Call. I'm Jared Morris here with Coach Brian Tonsoni and Chris Williams, a.k.a. IU Artifacts. Remember that you need to be subscribed to our email newsletter. We send out a weekly IU News Roundup, even during the offseason. And after every game, we send out a detailed post-game analysis. Just text IU to 66866 or go to assemblycall.com. That's IU to 66866 or go to assemblycall.com. So, Chris, we just went over a few more items uh, during the break. Again, everybody go to the YouTube channel if you're listening on the podcast or the radio and you want to see the video of that, uh, youtube.com slash assemblycall. Before we get into a couple questions, I do want to recognize a listener, uh, Gerilyn Roy, who sent this to me. Uh, with the notes, I'd like to pass on this cap and these buttons to you, Ryan or Andy, or another faithful IU fan. Uh, you guys are the absolute best. Um, and I don't have your email address. So I didn't know the other best way to contact you. Besides thanking you here on the show, and I have my own little IU artifacts here to uh, to display. Chris, I showed you this earlier, but the 1987 National Championship hat, kind of like the trucker hat style, which has clearly been worn and loved, uh, which you can tell from the inside. And then, really interestingly, these buttons. So one uh, big, uh, big Ten champ, 75-76 button, and then another uh, another Indiana Hoosiers button. And then this one, which you said you had never seen before. Indiana champ, 75-76. And like I said, there's, gosh, I mean, there's probably 15 different varieties of buttons from 75-76. So when you always see something you've never seen before, that's pretty cool. Yeah. So just Gerilyn, wanted to thank you for sending that over. It's always, it's amazing anytime we, you know, get correspondence from listeners, but when it's a nice little package with like cool stuff in it, it's always, uh, always really awesome. So uh, for our questions, this comes from Chad. He says, we already know that Jared would pick the sign from Calbert's shot. The Cheney needs one shot. We all know that's my holy grail uh, for memorabilia, but he wants to know for coach. And I also want to know for you, Chris, uh, what is the one piece of IU memorabilia that you would love to have the most? So, Coach, why don't you lead us off? You know, it, it's going to be probably Quinn Buckner. Um, uh, the jersey will be very hard to find, I know, but maybe a pair of shoes or or something. I, I've I've got some uh, uh, programs and ticket stubs from some of his games uh, that I've worked with uh, through Chris. You know, my son said the Watford ball on the shot, uh, if, oh, man. if verified, would would be a nice piece too. But uh, you know, going back to when becoming an IU fan was solidified for me, it was with Quinn Buckner. I think that would be the ultimate piece uh, for me. Chris, and by the way, those of you listening, tweet us and let us know. Tweet at Assembly Call, at IU Artifacts. Let us know what your, like, you know, just primo holy grail piece of memorabilia would be, because who knows, Chris probably has it, and he can send you a picture of it. <laughs> Chris. Well, and Coach, I will tell you that uh, 
As far as I know, Quinn has all of his game stuff, so maybe we can find you a sock or something like that. There you go. Yeah, <laughs> I'd hang uh, it right back here. There you go. That'd be great. That'd be a good conversation start. That was a random sock. <laughs> um, I mean, I'd like to go back and find McCracken's jersey. It's harder because they don't have numbers on the jerseys going back there. That didn't start to the late 30s. Something more recent would be um, the ball that, you know, I'm hopefully Calvert has it, but the ball that that broke the oh man the scoring record. I mean, um, it's funny if you see the video um, that w- they showed it. IU um, Athletics just posted it uh, when he brought it over there. He tossed it to my buddy Kurt Simic, who was the manager on '93 team. He tossed it to him, and 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 Kurt held on to him until after the game and gave it back to him. But something like that would be. Uh, and again, I was just dreaming because I would I would never feel right having it because he should have it. But like something like that would be. Uh, amazing be cool to take a picture with it you know oh, gosh. just hold it yeah, yeah. Just, it on it, just kind of get in the same room as it you know so i would say i think it'd be really cool to have an autographed like one of my favorite pictures beyond the chain needs one picture i love the picture of the team when they were in new york it, it was either in 75 or 76 when they're in new york sure. and they just look like such badasses walking in new york city in their suits i would want to get an autographed version of that photo that would be awesome. I think that'd be really cool. And then the other one, how about the shorts Tom Pritchard was wearing when he uh, when he did the Pritch Lap? Oh, wait. Oh, wait. Wait a minute. Look at those. Oh. <laughs> Look at those. Those are the Pritch Slap shorts. They don't even fit in the screen. These are massive shorts, by the way. Thank you for uh, sending me that, Chris. I was going to... We talked about that last offseason because I was going to do like a contest with a piece of memorabilia, and then you sent it to me, and I was like... I don't want to give them away. I kind of want to keep these. They They are are huge. Like size 40 plus three. Yeah. Yeah. They are huge. Um, Okay. So let's, let me get to this question here and we'll just, we'll talk some, some basketball real quick. You got about three and a half minutes left. We had this conversation going on in the community. I want to get your guys thoughts on it. The off season, as we know, a time of irrational confidence in players. We talk ourselves into the idealized version of every player. Chris, starting with you, what player do you feel the most irrational offseason confidence in for the upcoming season and why? It's got to be Justin Smith. Um, I mean, I want so much. It's just frustrating even talking about this. I I was going to go Devontae until the last minute, and then I said Justin Smith. We saw so many glimmers of hope with him. And then I, I saw somebody had posted a video about Archie's offense and how it has to run smoothly with screens being set, like actual screens. This is when I think you posted the thing about where's Brian Sloan when you need it. And I watched God, that and video I saw, was terrible. And I watched several times and I, and I went back and watched a couple games and I just saw the passiveness of the screen setting by Justin Smith. I mean, you know, we don't need to talk about his athleticism. We know that's there, you know, his shot. If it doesn't happen this season, it's not going to happen ever. But I just think in, in, in maybe, it may never happen, but I think his on-court demeanor and his willingness to do what he needs to do to be an effective player on the court, which is where we need him to be. We need, we know Archie needs him to be. That just that hopefully will sink in with him now. And I and again, I got so frustrated watching those. And it wasn't just him. Everybody in that sequence set awful screens. And anybody who Juwan Morgan and Rob Finnessy exactly <laughs> were the ones in the video played boys club basketball knows how to set a screen. So that part to me was frustrating, but continuously seeing it from Justin throughout the season makes the glimmer of hope there that it's going to happen. And I remember all the, the grumbling from people about he's not happy, you know, the stuff with 
like his dad tweeting all that stuff. You know, clearly he wants to be there because if he didn't want to be there, he'd be gone. He would have left. But so he he's where he wants to. Well, we, we assume, but yeah, where he wants to be. And I, I just hope that and I think it will be. But there's my optimism shining. But I think we're going to see the real Justin Smith. And I hope I don't have to eat those words. I like it. Coach, who's got your irrational offseason Irra- confidence? Ir- irrational. 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 I think race takes over a starter's role and scores double figures. That would be irrational. Whoa. Right. Um, Whoa. I, th- I, I think he's going to contribute, but I think he, my irrational feeling is he goes above and beyond that and surprises everybody. Hmm. Yeah. See, like I don't, I don't have irrational confidence in Rob Finnessy. I think confidence in Rob Finnessy is well-founded. I have confidence that Demise Anderson is going to be a contributor. I don't really consider it irrational because the bar is kind of low. And I think, you know, we've heard about his hard work and I think he has a great attitude. So I think him just being a more productive rotation player, my irrational confidence, I can't, I try to talk myself out of it and I can't talk myself out of Devonte Green. Um, he's the guy that we're going to have to rely on for scoring. And I really think for him as a senior I think going into a season with a defined role could change the game for him a little bit. I think his role was all over the place last year. And I think if he and Archie kind of find some common ground and he knows what's expected of him and he's got the green light and he's got a point guard that lets him play off the ball and play where he's comfortable. I don't know. I feel like we could get a really good season from Devonte green. So again, I'm trying to talk myself out of it because we have three years of evidence that suggests it's not going to happen, but I can't shake kind of an irrational feeling of offseason confidence and, what are the off seasons for if they're not for that? So, all right, that's going to have to do it for us on this week's episode of the Assembly Call. If you want to see us do the show live, join us at assemblycall.com on Thursday nights for the live broadcast of our Assembly Call radio recording. And you can always subscribe to our podcast by searching for Assembly Call wherever you listen to podcasts. And don't forget to go to assemblycall.com or text IU to 66866 to join our free email newsletter. Thank you for listening. We will talk to you again next Thursday night. Until then. Take it from me, Robert Johnson. Keep your elbows in and your eyes on the rim. And go Hoosiers. Thank everybody for coming out. All right. I got to get out of here, folks. Thank you. All right. Got a new one there. Those are great. Those are just simply great. <laughs> I did. Uh, so I sent him that one because Robert's, Robert's on Cameo now, which I love because then you can pay these guys. I did that one. I sent him another one that was like, you know, hey, you know, I never miss an episode of the Assembly Call, you know, with uh, Coach Jared Ryan and my personal favorite, Andy Bottoms. But that one was declined. Um, and I don't know. I, I Like, I think they have rules on like, you're not technically allowed to use stuff for like promotional or commercial purposes. And since it was like, I think they've updated their terms since it was expressly about the assembly call. I think that might have been why it was declined, or he might have felt silly doing it, which is a distinct possibility. Uh, but I'm going to try and get something else with him like referencing Andy. So we'll see if it's a uh, we'll see if it's possible. It may not be. Um, oh, what was I going to say? Oh, yeah. Again, if you're listening to the podcast, because I'm going to keep this extra stuff on the podcast. Make sure you go to YouTube to see the items that Chris is doing, youtube.com slash assembly call. So make sure you listen to that. Um, Will this be on the podcast? Yes, I just said that. Uh, Chris, do you, you want, let's go through a couple more real quick if you have time. Yeah, I do. My, uh, my sons are. Hi. Yeah, bring, bring them over. This is just the YouTube here. folks now. Here, come here, come here, come here. Yeah, bring them on over. Say hi. Brian knows the boys. This is, this is after dark. These are the guys. <laughs> These, are the, These guys. are the guys. This is Damon. <laughs> hey. How you, you doing, Damon? 
There's Mitchell. He's over Hi, there. Hi, Damon. Hi, Mitchell. Hey, Mitchell. Pop in here. Nice to see you guys. There you go. Assembly call debut. Yes. So, um, your your two true most favorite pieces of memorabilia, personal uh, yes. memorabilia. Yes. Yeah. So, you know that much. So, all right, I'll show you one more. This is kind of a interesting story too. So here, candy stripes. Everybody's seen those. This one's got a uh, Indiana patch on it. Okay. And if you go on the inside of them, you can see there's an ASICS logo. And if you guys know about IU in the late 80s, we were ASICS for one season. Because you can remember because the numbers were really small. Numbers were really <laughs> small on the jerseys. The, it, it, they're ugly. They're really ugly. But mm-hmm. ASICS had financial issues. And they had to I you had basically they had no choice but to scramble at the last minute order uniforms from champion which is the jerseys that they wore from the early 90s but they couldn't wear asics or advertise asics anymore because they were going through financial turmoil so they put these patches over the asics uniforms that they or the asics warm-ups that they wore and they had to wear them the first half of the 90-91 season, which is the season we won the Big Ten title. Yeah. And you can also note, because if you if you look at games in the first part of the 90-91 season, the ASICS logo was taken off the jerseys. They're gone. Because they were wearing plain ASICS jerseys, but they weren't ASICS. So it's kind of like – and if you, there's a couple people that are on Twitter and we talk about this because it's kind of one of the most obscure – pieces of candy stripe because it's just patched Indiana, but that's the story of how huh. a company's demise uh, kind of led us to this more obscure. And these are Todd Leary's, which, you know, I think is kind of an interesting story. We all know about Todd and glad that he's kind of been brought back into the IU family. So, yes. but yeah. Um, last cool thing story. real quick. <clears throat> so just a plain cutout says Indiana on it. But this is kind of an obscure piece because this company, which is the custom color company out of Muncie, they're no longer around, made basketball figures, evidently, made football figures for college and also made NFL figures. Hmm. And the NFL figures, they made all the teams at that time and they're they're pretty common to find. This is the only basketball figure for IU I've ever found. And it's kind of interesting because if you see these these different versions of them they have the same facial expression the same weird facial expression looks a little like tom coverdale exactly yeah so he's you know he's got some there's some ginger there so um (laughs) but it's interesting because if you know iu football in the late 50s we had power blue jerseys if you know anything about the, the phil dickens era we wore powder powder blue jerseys evidently because it reminded him of the skies in wyoming and we had powder blue jerseys with red stripes over them there are some variations of these for football that feature the powder blue jerseys. Oh, wow. If anybody ever finds those, don't get rid of them. They're worth an awful lot of money. They're very rare. So just kind of an obscure IU piece. I found this one in a Purdue one, but these are the only two I've ever found for basketball. See, you know, the and the other reason, getting back to your point about the museum, yes. like the, the items themselves are really cool. Like it's really cool to see that, but yeah. like it's the story that it's the combination of the story and the piece. You know, and we need a place to keep these stories and to store both the stories and the pieces. And, you know, and that's, 
it's it's a unique it's it's interesting for me because I like being a collector, but I'm also someone that if this happened, I'd be totally willing to like go here. You can have all this stuff, put it in there. Let's let's do something with it and let's let's tell a story about it. Let's talk about what this represents and, and make those connections because I think there are tons of people out there, and you don't have to be a collector to do that. But there are tons of people out there who like to hear stories like this and they like to look at the stuff. Like it's interesting to look at the stuff. So yeah. The yeah, only we'll person, the on. only person in the history of the show that has gotten more of a kick out of seeing his face on screen than your son is Ryan, by the way, oh, yeah, he's, yeah. he's really enjoying seeing, <laughs> looking at himself. Yeah. And, and don't we catch Ryan doing <laughs> every yeah. once in a while when he's not talking game face. I, I took a screenshot yeah. one time. He has like a <laughs> bottle of water up in the air and I'm going to use that at some point for him. So Do it. he got, by the way, he, I sent him an artifact. He'll, he'll have to tell you about it at some point. Um, he, I found him a ticket from the 05 Duke game. The, the, the Killingsworth dunk. He, he had his press pass, but we got him a ticket, which he, uh, they, they gave out 50,000 that night, right? Yeah. 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 <laughs> for all the people who were there. Cool because, uh, that is awesome. Yeah. It's, it's, you know, I try to find tickets for people from early games and stuff like that. Yeah. You got me the game that was probably my first game. Yeah. Yeah. And we, we couldn't figure out exactly when it was, but we could kind hard. of pinpoint the season. Yeah. It's hard. So, yeah. Uh, David says, I wonder if anybody has a Kent Benson wristband, especially from the championship. Any of those floating around out there? No, I've seen Kent Benson shoes, but not the wristbands. But that's a good, yeah, that's a good question. Hmm. Yeah. Does anybody have any memorabilia of Jay Edwards and Lyndon Jones from high school from Marion? I don't think so. I, I haven't seen any high school stuff. I have one of Lyndon's jerseys from IU, but not high school yeah. stuff. Yeah. Hmm. Um, that's, that would be on my list to find a Jay Edwards jersey. But yeah. So Jay I want to let, let people know, um, you know, because I always, I post about this sometimes. If people ever want, they have, they have questions about stuff, they could always, they could email me, glory at gloryforoldiu at gmail.com, or they could just send me a Twitter message because I'm always willing to help people out. I mean, I'm obviously looking for stuff, but I don't actively like advertise it as, hey, I'm, I'm looking to buy stuff. But um, I'm always willing to help people, you know, if they're looking for something or if I can point them in the right direction of where they're, uh, of something they're looking for. And I'll, t- I'll also tell people, you know, I, somebody in the chat said, do you have like a 1996 IU versus Michigan state stub? I'll definitely look and, uh, and, uh, you know, and see if I can find one for them, you know, because hey, I always Chris, like to do that. Yeah. Chris, man. Chris will wheel and deal at any time. We were sitting, I was sitting next to him at the Ohio <laughs> state game and all of a sudden this deal came in for a Jersey and Oh yeah. He got on his phone and he was talking to me, sharing his, his, how he was working his deal right in the middle yeah, of the state game. Yeah. That was a, a oldest Jersey I have that was found in a storage unit in Fort Wayne. And I was emailing with the guy back and forth and I felt bad because I think I was being rude to coach. We were at the game and, but I was like, coach, I gotta, I, this is, you know, I can't let this pass up. And sure enough, uh, I drove up to Anderson, met the guy and we got it. So. Chris, I've recently uh, come into possession of a 1976 NCAA champs button and Tom Pritchard shorts from the Pritch Slap, and I'd be willing to trade them for a Calbert Cheney uh, uh, bowl if you if you happen to have one. Oh, you know, it's it's. <laughs> I don't know. I think I don't know what happened. Have to look for it, you know. So uh, Pritch shorts. A- any luck on that Ross Hales game worn football jersey? <sighs> 
No, uh, you know, I've, I've, I know people that have a handful of them from that era, uh, the, the late eighties era, but I have not seen an 88. So you get I was looking for it. You get a 1993, 94, number 53. When he walked on the basketball team, that, that would be would, cool. That, that would, would be, be cool. cool. And I you know. Yeah. I remember, didn't he have his career high in that unfortunate Minnesota game? That yeah. When they called him the thug. Yeah. Yeah. The Minnesota press, they brought in the thug as my brother-in-law. <laughs> he, he was though. Yeah. Ross Hales, man. Good stuff. Those are good times. Well, Chris, this was great, yeah. man. Thank you. Thanks for always, having me as always. Always appreciate this. It's always fun. Yeah. And uh, we look forward to seeing what fun new stuff you come up with next year. So yeah. You're the best, man. You're the you best. Are the, you Likewise, are the best. Guys. Hey, happy to do it and happy, enjoy it. So, yeah. At IU Artifacts, glory for old IU at gmail.com if you, uh, if you have any questions. Thanks, everybody, for being with us. Oh, Richard wants to know how he gets a Bailey game-worn jersey. That's got to be rare. Uh, yeah. Don't know. That's a good one. I, no. That's a hard one. Um, That'd be difficult. Yeah. Let um, me know, too, because I'll, I'll be looking for it as well. So. Do you have, like, okay, so what about, like, the 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 special jerseys they've worn, like those Courage jerseys from a couple years ago and the Harlem Renaissance jerseys? Do you yeah. get those? or Like, what happens with those after, it's, after those I, games are know, done? It, I haven't seen very much of any stuff from Cream's era come out and be released. Um, if, if it would have been released, it would have been released at the IU surplus store, which is how they, uh, properly dispose of it. And it's not by release. You mean like the equipment managers basically like clean out the the office. I mean, every once in a while they'll do this for football. They'll, they'll release several years of football jerseys, um, to, to sell. They did that a couple of years ago. Um, but for basketball, it's, it's, you're never gonna, you don't see it. I mean, they had a bunch of sales in the late nineties, early two thousands, uh, where a lot of stuff was released. They still have stuff. They still have hope. I believe they have the stuff from the 76 season, which they should. That's where it should belong is with the university with IU. Um, but you know, that, that kind of the alternate stuff is, you know, I don't know. It's, it's, it's weird. Um, why it hasn't been released? Who knows what's going on with it? But I haven't seen anything released from it. No. What? Okay. So what would be released? Because the players presumably get to keep those jerseys, right? If they want well, to. It's interesting because yeah, I would hope that the the players would would get to keep the stuff, but I don't know how that works with NCAA. There might be something yeah. with it because I know that when the football jerseys released were released three or four years ago, everybody's was out there. I mean they it's not like you were just finding the, the, the reserves or the non-use players. I mean, you were going to find Mrs. Years back. You were going to find DeMarlo Belcher. You were going to find Tandon Doss, Mark, Marcus Thigpen. You were going to find those on the rack. So evidently they didn't get them, but with basketball, I don't know. I mean, they get the presentation Jersey when they are seniors on senior night, because it's obviously not the one that they're wearing, but you know, there's, they're issued three or four of the same Jersey. You know, yeah. it's not like it was in the in the '60s where the same or the '50s where the same jersey was worn for several seasons, and you was just like, "Oh, well, here's a large 13. You're 13 this season." It's totally different now with these big manufacturers. But you know, I don't know. I I, I don't know. They they could be just hanging them on, on to them. I don't know. I haven't seen any of though, and I'm always definitely looking. I know that. So hmm. interesting. Yeah. Well, we could talk about it for hours, but we will yeah, uh we'll save it for the next meetup and do it over some beers. Sounds good. All right. Gosh, I'll see you next Saturday. Yep. I'll be oh, down yeah. there. Let me know what you find out about time and meeting place. I think it's Switchyard, but I'll I'll, I'll text you. 
I'll confirm with Galen. Yeah, Crimson Cast, Crimson Cast Bar Crawl. Uh, We Ryan and I won't be present, but Andy will be there. I think Coach is going to be there. Yeah, I think Andy's going to drive down. I can't guarantee that, but Coach will be there, and obviously a lot of the chat mobbers. So if you're listening to this on the podcast, you know Crimson Cast guys are the Godfathers. They were the first ones to do it, so I would obviously be there if I could. Um, But go hang out with those guys, Bar Crawl, see Coach, pop your collar in front of them. You know. Dude. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> all right, everybody. Good night, Take everyone. care, guys. We'll, see uh, we'll see you all next week. Sticky notes, email alerts, a string around your finger. They're just not big enough. So here's a big reminder from the California Lottery the Mega Millions jackpot is over $250 million. Whew. Play now. Please play responsibly. Must be 18 years or older to purchase player five. Sticky notes, email alerts, a string around your finger. They're just not big enough. So here's a big reminder from the California Lottery. The Mega Millions jackpot is over $250 million. Play now. Please play responsibly. Must be 18 years or older to purchase player five.